But I did something Friday that I don't normally do. I went to the ophthalmologist. I figured you ought to go at least every quarter century or so. And I had actually, I had actually gone when I was 40, so I haven't quite, you know, I'm, I'm 64 now. So uh, anyway, I went, and you know what happened? They dilated my eyes, right? Oh, you know, thank you, Lord, for eye dilation. But you know what happened? I couldn't see for about four hours. Well, I could see, but, you know, everything was fuzzy and fuzzy. And, and since I don't do that often, it really did throw me for a loop. But it reminded me, it reminded me that there are many, many, many things in our lives that can cause us not to see clearly, not to see clearly. And I'm thankful that the scripture always teaches me to see clearly when I pay attention to it and do what it says to do. What we're going to read about this morning in 1 Samuel is uh, a very interesting per uh, period in Israel's history. Where we are in our narrative this morning, I think, is very much like where we are in the world today. You see, if you, if you read the last verse of the book of Judges, Judges 21-25, it says that in those days, everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Hmm. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And what we're going to read about today is Hannah, who is the mother of Samuel. And Samuel is the bridge between the time when Israel was ruled by judges and the time that Israel had a king. Samuel was the last judge, and he was also the person who anointed Saul and David as kings of Israel. Another thing that's very, very interesting about this period of time is that in Israel at this time, as I would argue, in our world today, there were, in, in political, moral, and religious leadership, there was a void. There was a complete void and of... It, they were they were very uh, very much in disarray when it came to political, moral, or rel religious leadership, and uh, I think we're in that same position today in this world. So our scripture reading comes from First Samuel chapter one, verses one through twenty. Consider the word of the Lord. There was a certain man of Ramathamon, a Zuphite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkinah, son of Jeroam, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. He had two wives, bless his heart, yeah. the name of one was Hannah, the name of the other was Paniah. Paniah had children, 
But Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his town to worship, to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hopni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to his wife, Penina, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival used to provoke her severely to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. Again, can you imagine that? Two women being nasty to each other, you know? Again, you know? You know, I believe Scripture, but sometimes it's just, it's, it's just a stretch, you know? So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk at Shiloh, Hannah rose and presented herself before the Lord. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made this vow, O Lord of hosts, if only you will look on the misery of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant but will give to your servant a male child, then I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. He shall drink neither wine nor intoxicants, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying silently. Only her lips moved but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself? Put away your wine. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord. I am a woman deeply troubled. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation at this time. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. The Lord of Israel grant the petition you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your sight. Then the woman went to her quarters, ate and drank with her husband, and her countenance was sad no longer. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. Elkanah knew his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. In due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, 
I have asked him of the Lord. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, God who always remembers your servants, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our salvation. Amen. I'm so very thankful for Hannah this morning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention a few of the other uh, folks that are, that are listed here a little bit, but I want us to focus on Hannah this morning uh, because I believe Hannah is a person who can allow all of us to see more clearly. When we're confused around, about the things around us, when our eyes are out of focus, if we, if we focus on Hannah, we have a very, very good example of what we should do and how we should conduct ourselves. I will also say that this narrative and the conflict that goes on between Hannah and Paniah and many other things about this show us a picture of Israel and the, and the, and the soon-to-be divided kingdom and what went on. And also, Hannah shows us what the church can be and what each of us as Christians can be as faithful followers of God. I want to talk about Elkanah for a minute first. Elkanah, her husband, he, had a, he came from a good family. He was a decent guy, it looks like. But I want us to remember a couple of things about Elkanah. One is, he couldn't take care of Hannah's problem. No matter how hard he tried, he didn't have it in, in him. A good lesson for all of us. We cannot depend upon human beings to take care of our deep-seated afflictions, whatever they may be. We cannot, as I said, we cannot save ourselves. We need God's grace to do that. And as Jesse pointed out in the sermons, in, in the children's sermon, of Hannah means grace. That's what it's all about. It's about grace. And of course, we, we Methodists are all about grace. We have all kinds of grace. We've got prevenient grace. We've got convicting grace. We've got justifying grace. We've got sanctifying grace. We even say grace before we eat our meals, right? But, and, and, and most of you, if you were asked what grace was, you would say it's God's unmerited favor. But as I've said before, the definition that I like to use for grace is it's God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And there are many things that all of us cannot do for ourselves. Just like Alkina could not do everything that needed to be done for Hannah. He loved her. He loved her. But he couldn't take care of her despair. He couldn't take care of her distress. He couldn't take care of her barrenness. And one other thing I want us to think about. Even though he loved her, and this is something I think many of us have been guilty of, 
and may still be being guilt, be guilty of is even though he loved her, he was one of those people that I think Jesus was talking about in the passage that Debbie read out of Mark chapter 13, verse 5 there. What did Jesus say? He says, beware, you know, beware of those who will lead you astray, you know. Some people can lead you astray. Elkanah didn't mean to. He didn't mean to. His, his intentions were good. He willed Hannah's best. He loved her. It says he gave her a double portion. But to hear Elkanah, or if, or if Hannah had listened to his advice, shall we say, she probably still wouldn't have had a child. He basically said, everything's okay, Hannah. I love you. Don't worry about it. He, was, he, he, in his love for her, was preventing her from reaching her full potential. Something to think about. And then I want to say a few words about Eli. Eli was a priest, and he wasn't a bad priest. He wasn't a corrupt priest like his sons were. His sons were corrupt priests. And you can read about that if you continue to read there in 1 Samuel. Eli was a good priest. He was a rotten parent, but he was a good priest. The point I want us to remember is, is that I don't care what position somebody holds. I don't care who they are. This applies to everybody that's standing on this globe, this earth today. We are all capable of making mistakes. We all have feet of clay. We all, if we're not careful, can make wrong judgments. As Jesus reminded us in John 7, 24, he said, stop judging by mere appearances, but make a righteous judgment. And that's exactly what Eli goofed on, right? He accused Hannah of being drunk. And, and you know, she hadn't ha even had as much as a jigger of communion wine, you know? She, uh, she, was, she was stone cold sober, but he thought she was drunk. Uh, so regardless of the office a person holds, regardless of how educated they are, regardless of how religious they are, they're still capable of making mistakes, as Eli did. I said that Hannah was a great example for all of us, for the church and for Christians individually. And I'm so very, very thankful for her. She did five specific things that I want us to think about that if we all focused on would improve our vision and would also improve our Christian walk. But before I do that, I want to say one thing that she didn't do. Uh, uh, she didn't get into bitterness and resentment and hostilities with Penina. Did you notice that? It doesn't say anything about that. This is not the tradition of a lot of women in the Bible. The, the, uh, the whole narrative of a woman not being able to have a child and then God blessing them and being able to have a child is repeated many times throughout the Bible, right? There, there's, uh, there's Sarah, there's Rebecca, there's Rachel, 
there's, uh, oh, what was her name? Uh, oh, it's terrible. Samson's mother, if you, you read about Samson in Judges chapter 13, uh, Samson was a Nazarite, uh, like, uh, like Samuel's a Nazarite here. John the Baptist, Elizabeth, there's, there, there are a bunch of them in the Bible. And when, you look, and when you look at them, a lot of times they had bitter rivalries with another wife or a concubine or somebody. In Sarah's case, right, what did she tell Abraham to do with Hagar and Ishmael? Kick them out into the desert, right? Let them starve to death, let them, you know, and, and, and die. You know, she, I mean, that's it's, it's pretty charitable, right? Uh, that, that's what she did. Rachel, I remember Rachel. Rachel, the mother of Joseph and Benjamin, she was in this constant conflict with Leah because Leah had, what, seven kids anyway that we know about that are listed in Scripture. And Rachel was always jealous about it. And Rachel even died in childbirth with Benjamin because she was trying to compete with her sister. Hannah doesn't do that. Or there's no evidence that Hannah does that uh, at, at all in here. But here's what she did do. And here's what I think is important for us as, as the body of Christ, as the church, as individual Christians. These are the things that Hannah ta taught us, that Hannah helped us focus our vision on, that I think we can all put into practice, that I'm so very, very thankful for this morning. We are, we are celebrating Thanksgiving this week, and as I said earlier, I am thankful for Hannah. Here's what she did. It said she was in distress. She was depressed. She, 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 didn't, she didn't eat, right? It says that. She wouldn't eat. She got a double portion of food. She wouldn't eat. She wouldn't eat, and she was sad. And Elkanah, you know, there he go. He's he's a he's a classic, compassionate male, right? You know, I mean, my, my wife would probably testify to that. Yeah. He says, "Am I not better than ten sons?" You know, well, thanks a lot. The truth of the matter is, he wasn't better than ten sons. If 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 he had died, if he had died, and Hannah hadn't had any sons. In that day and age, nobody's going to take care of her. And you can bet Penina and her kids, you know, you think Cinderella had it rough. This would, this would be terrible uh, in Hannah's case. He'd, he would have showed a little more compassion probably if he had said something like, Hannah, you are better to me than ten sons instead of the other way around. But he didn't. And it says... After the meal, after the sacrifice and all that, it says Hannah rose. Hannah got up and presented herself before the Lord. And she prayed. She prayed, okay? She made, she made her request known to God, which is what all of us need to do when we are in distress. And by the way, if you're not in distress today, you're asleep, okay? So, uh, so we need to we need to pray just like Hannah did, but we don't need to just pray helter skelter. Look at what Hannah did. She prayed for something specific, and and 
she, she prayed that if that prayer is answered, she's going to give it back to God. She prayed, and then she offered what she prayed for back to God. So the first thing she did, she prayed. The second thing she did was she offered what she prayed for back to God. Okay. The third thing she did that's instructive to us that we, we can take a good lesson from is she defended herself. When Eli said, hey, lady, you know, lay off the Mulgan David, right? She said, I'm not drunk. I haven't been drinking. I'm a person in distress. I think one of the main reasons the church is as ineffective as it is in the world today is because I rarely see the church defending itself. I rarely see Christians defending themselves. They lay down and roll over to whatever the, uh, the popular thing of the day is. Hannah showed us that we need to stand up for ourselves. We need to stand up and defend ourselves. We'll do it. And when we do it, God will work with us. God will work with us. The fourth thing she did that is, oh, oh, so, so important, so important, that we hear little about, and I, and I think a lot of times we don't think about. Did you notice what happened? Said there, Elkanah gave Hannah a double portion, and he said, you know, why don't you eat your broccoli? And Hannah said, I'm not hungry. I'm in distress. She goes and she prays. She goes and she prays. Eli figures out he's mistaken, and he tells her, you know, the Lord's going to hear your prayer. Your prayer is going to be answered. She believed him. She believed him and she left there. And it said, it said she went home and what did she do? She ate. She was happy. It said her countenance rose. I mean, I mean, in, 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 in modern day English, she smiled, right? She was happy about what was going on. The lesson for us here is, is when you give something to God, don't take it back. Give it to God, ask God for it, and believe that you're going to receive it. Leave it alone. That's what she did. That's what she did, and she did. And then the, the, the fifth thing that Hannah did that's... It, it's, it's tough to rank these things. It's tough to rank these things sometimes when you, when you look around. It's like uh, sort of like a toolbox, right? You need the right tool for the right job, whatever, whatever that may be. But I'm, I'm, I, I, would, I could really make a good argument that the fifth thing that she did would be the most important thing for all of us as Christ, in our Christian witness and as, in, as being an effective church in the world today. She did what she said she was going to do. She kept her vow. You know, most of the time when somebody makes a vow for somebody to be a Nazarite, it's maybe for 30 or 90 days, maybe for six months. But she said that Samuel would be a Nazarite for his entire life. Now granted, he had to work with that too, but, but my point simply is, like Jesus told us, 
Like Jesus told us back there in the Sermon on the Mount, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And some of you may say, well, oh, well, I do that. I tell the truth. Or, uh, but, it's, it, but it's more than telling the truth. It's keeping your commitments. If you say you're going to do something, you do it. And Hannah did that. She did that. So, what am I thankful for today? I'm thankful for many, many things this Thanksgiving week. But I am so very, very thankful for the witness of Hannah that I can read in the Word of God. I'm so very thankful for that. So, I implore all of us to focus on what Hannah did. If you're in despair, if you're in distress, pray. Pray to God. Whatever God gives you, offer back to God. Stand up for yourself. Show a little spine, okay? When you give something to God, leave it there. Don't take it back. And do what you say you're going to do. And if you live that way, you, like Hannah, will always be thankful. Amen?